0: Nelson Mandela, Donna Summer, Bill Clinton, George Duke, Bob Seeger, Princess Diana, Frank Sinatra, Anita Baker, Aretha Franklin, Celine Dion, Mariah Carey, Shania Twain, Gary Clark Jr., Tyrese Gibson, Denise Williams, Luciano Pavarotti, Olita Adams, Billy Crystal, Deborah Winner, Peeble Bryson, Luther Vandross, Earl Clue, The Clark Sisters, R. Kelly. In one way or another, Grammy Award winning mixer producer Gerard Smerick has shared experiences with all of these. And fortunately for us, he's been a major partner at Yesia Music for the past 15 years. His work ethic and dedication has propelled him out of a rough childhood in Detroit into the fast lane, supporting some of the world's most renowned artists and dignitaries. He's not one to gloat, so, I had to pry him into doing this interview. Gerard, take us to the beginning.
1: Oh, how how this all started? Well, you know, it all, for me, started with the Beatles. You know, I'm, I'm definitely a Beatle baby. I was the youngest of five, so there was a lot of music coming into the house from my brothers and my sister. I got to, you know, I was in the front row seat for everything, you know, Motown, the pop music at the time, the Broadway music uh, at the time, everyone had a different genre that they were into. When you saw that, you just wanted to do that. I wanted to express it more than just listening to it. And, right. so, and so at that point, um, I started asking for instruments, you know, I, I really I asked for a drum set. It was my mom who talked my dad into, finally, I overheard some, just, just get it, you know, just get it, you know, I think just to shut me up, and so, uh, one Christmas I got a, you know, a drum set from Sears. That became my, my salvation, my tool, my friend, my everything. I really dove into that full speed, and I, I would say it, it saved me. The popular thing is, you know, my friends are stealing cars, you know, my there there's people doing drugs, there's people, you know, it's, it's not a, no it's not a good situation but I had a purpose I had a reason not to do these things you know uh, I had a I was going to I was going to be something I knew what it is you know that I wanted to do Back in those days I mean there was really just there were two columns there was like the college material and the you have to find something where you can work with your hands There wasn't going to be you know money for college it wasn't you know this was not part of my my path, you know, I could see that. So as I was getting to the end of high school, I um, I started to go through the yellow pages. Uh, this was the, the internet of our generation and uh, I started calling studios and I would say to them, you know, hey, I can, you know, are you looking for any help? I can, you know, my band. You know, I play the drums. I can tune drums. I can tune guitars. I could play guitar. I could set up instruments. I, you know, the whole thing. I would go through my whole spiel that I had uh, because the, the the point is, I had to find something because the high school was coming to an end and my dad was looming with a job for me uh, that I didn't want to do or or interviews that I didn't want to go to and didn't want to be. You know, couldn't see myself you know, it was factory work. being a part of. He was a truck driver, so it's going to be something in in this this area. You know, so. I started calling these studios, and it was always, you know, no thanks, no thanks, you know. You know. And finally, uh, there was one where the guy was like, uh, yeah, you, you got tapes? And I was, yeah, I got tapes. He goes, all right, come down and bring the tapes, you know. And so I'm taking a bus from high school, and I'm going down to this place. Did I know what I was doing? No. But I was, I was quick to listen and, and quick to learn. It was not easy, but at the same time, there was something that was very, very natural about it for me. And I was in sync. I really felt in sync as I was doing this. And so we still had Funk Brothers in town. This was post Motown, But these guys were still roaming the streets looking for the next big thing. They thought they could still produce records and, and put product out. And they showed me how to cut a record. Lights were going off for me, like, you know, every day and uh, how long did that experience go on with them? This studio, I was at the studio for about a year and a half. Um, th- th- I was making like literally no money and uh, it was getting very difficult. I needed a car. I was still taking a bus, you know, and I uh, I needed to make a bit more money for that, so I was pushing the owner to to you know give me a raise and all that. But other people were drifting in the studio. You know, Cat Stevens came in for a session, and he brought an assistant. The good part here is that he brought an assistant. I saw good technique, you know, and so observing this stuff and again learning, and then whatever I saw and whatever I experienced, I would try out on the very next session. Now with enough confidence to go, and I had a little bit of a resume. Uh, I went to Sound Suite for a while, this is where it, and Don was, was there at this point, of course, putting together his sound. They'd give him the, the graveyard shift, you know, uh, starting at midnight and going until like 8 in the morning. And uh, we would cut rhythm tracks, you know, we'd cut tracks all night, uh, you know, him, funky tracks, you know, again, trying to find that, that Motown sound, him trying to find his his sound. He loved Motown. Dennis Coffee would come into these sessions, you know, this is Sweet Pea, you know, coming into all this stuff. This is where I met Louis Resto. And, and then from there, it just kept kept going around until I got to the point where, um, I'll skip a few studios. There was a film studio that I, that I worked at for a while. I learned about film mixing uh, from Jerry Frederick. That was you special know, recording, um, yeah. which, which I worked on there as well. This was the facility that, that did the radio broadcast for The Lone Ranger. It was written and produced there back in the... 40s, 50s. Right. Um, it was it was a great studio, great old funky studio. Jerry Frederick was was the mixer there, right. and he was fantastic. This was yeah. mixing film, and, and my job yeah. was to assi- again assist him. Uh, now I'm now I'm working with 35 millimeter film, you know, and and, and realizing what the two pop is for, you know, <laughs> what mm-hmm. the what the clapperboard is for, you know, learning frames and moving things frames. So literally frames. I'm talking about a row of dubbers. And uh, you know, unlocking sprockets. Uh, yeah, they had blank pistols, you know, hammers, glass, you know, uh, cases to break glass into mini door. I mean, they had everything. It was sound design, what we call today a sound design. But I learned a lot there. Yeah, I learned a lot from him. He was he was brilliant. Jerry Frederick was brilliant. You know, he gave me the audio encyclopedia, which was if he, if anyone's seen that, it's a book that's that's literally you know this big. And he was just like, you know, you need to read this, you know, kid, you know, there's always like, you know, and um, I still have that and I have, and I did read it. And How old are you now when, when it's special? Oh, uh, I'm eight, I'm uh, 19, you know, You're still about like that. Yeah. And uh, sure. uh, but now I'm a veteran. You know? <laughs> 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 and so and so now I've got the band going, I've got the job going, everything is cool. This is where I meet other people. Every time i go going to these places, I'm meeting other people, and this is where I meet Jerry Selekia. So like, yeah. This leads to an investor, and he wanted to build a studio. And he said, I've got a guy with money. Are you? In- Do you want to go in? And I'm like, sure, you know? <laughs> we picked this place out in Farmington Hills, and uh, started to build it, and there it was. And ambience, and Ambience's name of the studio. We had a good name. <laughs> and uh, Richard Becker has sold us the gear. Another legendary Pack three. Detroit engineer from the 60s, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Motown guy. I'm learning now more and more. The gear's more sophisticated. You know, now we've got uh, bigger machines, you know, more tracks, and uh, we've got noise reduction. All of this stuff is, is I'm going and fast forward. But there's no business. There's literally, you know, we would pick up the phone, you know, just to to see, make sure there was a dial tone, you know, because literally it didn't ring. But I'm thinking, I got to get out of here. Now I was going to move to New York. I started, again, I started looking to the Yellow Pages. I was going to go and try to, you know, rec- the record plan at the power station or something. And uh, we get a call, Seeger and Punch want to come in. Bob's going to do a record.
0: In our next episode, we'll see just how Gerard navigates his way through some of the world's biggest stars.